Amen. Amen. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody looks so, so disappointed. Hey, the first church mom and dad pastored, I kid you not, I kid you not, there was a dear sister, her name was Roxy. Her name was Roxy, and I, in fact, one of the funniest, sweetest memories I think my parents have, her name was Roxy Brock, and Roxy was very hearing impaired. She was very hearing impaired. Um, and uh, the first Sunday they pastored uh, their first church, uh, right around the time Noah came in on the ark, amen, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, nearly 40 years ago, their first Sunday as pastors, uh, I, I was a baby, um, and and there was like eight people in the room, and Dad didn't know anybody, and and, and he's just you, you. Anybody remember the day where the pastor would just call somebody up to close out in prayer? Remember that day? Nowadays, you kind of got to be careful of that kind of stuff. Okay, there's there's just different things people battle with and such. But this little church and Sister Roxy, she's sitting right on the front pew, and she's nodding at him every single thing he says. But truth be told, Sister Roxy couldn't hear very well okay and so at the end of the service this 23 year old new pastor it with eight people in the room and he points at Roxy he goes you know what I want this sister to close us out in prayer and Roxy just did not hear a word he said and just kept smiling and nodding at him She's just smiling and nodding. And she had a really good friend. I think her name was Lena. And they, they were just such good friends. They went everywhere. And Lena's sitting next to Roxy going, Roxy, Brother Bynum wants you to close in prayer. <laughs> I, I don't know if she ever prayed. But Roxy had a, uh, she had a philosophy. There was one preacher she wanted to hear, and it was her pastor. And if pastor was away, Roxy typically didn't come to church. So I am so glad nobody at Rodney Pike did not come because pastor was not the one preaching this morning. Amen. But we pray they enjoy their time away and they, they get refreshed and blessed. How many know the, the leadership of the house needs to get refreshed and blessed? Amen. Amen. So we appreciate them very much. It is so good to see you today. My heart and my intent is not to hold you too long this morning. My intent is not to hold you too long this morning. Um, I know that several of you have come today. I'll be transparent. I don't want to bring down atmosphere. But I know some of you that even this afternoon have maybe could very well have a cookout or a family barbecue that you need to attend, and we want to make sure that you have plenty and ample time with your families. I pray that this is a wonderful time with your family, and I pray that you have a chance to at least connect with them a little bit on this holiday weekend. But most importantly, let's let's pray for families who have been affected uh, during times of war, who've maybe suffered loss, as we recognize on Memorial Day weekend. I've been informed by multiple veterans that Memorial Day, their preference is that we remember those who have lost, uh, who have lost their lives and battling in harm's way. I'm thankful today for the freedoms that we have and the lives that have been sacrificed on foreign soil so that we can be the free country that we are. Can we thank those and give honor to those who have lost their lives in harm's way? Amen. Amen. We are in one of the coolest seasons I think we ever have been in. I know maybe cool is not the way you should put something like that, but we are in a season and a time, and this, this direction that pastor and first lady have been taking uh, called the Raising Legends series. And I don't know about you, but I was 
blessed by the speaking last Sunday of Calvin and Mary Beth Preston. Anybody, anybody blessed last week by their speaking and their sharing? They're away honoring the holiday today, but I know many of you were blessed and really received from the Lord that that is not actually going to be the only time where we're going to hear from various couples uh, of the church, and there's others that are set to take part of this Raising Legends series. So please come out as you were blessed last week. I know you will continue to be blessed by the various ministries and testimonies of various couples within the church. But we're at this time called uh, Raising Legends. Raising Legends. Interestingly enough, there's something with the dictionary definition of the word legend. There's something with the dictionary uh, definition of the word legend. One of the definitions is it is a traditional story that sometimes popularly, popularly regarded as historic. So it is this major story that is regarded as epic and historic, but it lacks something. There's a missing piece of this great story. It is unauthenticated. A legend is a great story and sometimes considered historic, but it is unauthenticated. I, I, I am a mind, I don't know about you, but I have a mind that would crack you up. It has random thoughts and random memories, okay? And I had a very random memory of that first church I was just talking about that my dad pastored when I was a very young boy. And I had this random memory of the majority of the congregation that was of age. And I was thinking it was, uh, it was the 1980s, for the, primarily he pastored there from like 1984 till 1993. So the majority of our time were in the, in the 80s. We were in the, uh, the, the height of Michael Jackson's singing career and Reagan's presidency. And isn't it so hard to think that if you were born in 1980, you'd be turning 41 years old in 2021. Isn't that odd to think that? In 19, I remember telling folks I was born in the early 80s, and they would look at me like I was just a young pup. And now, if you were born in 1990, you're 31 years old this year. Isn't that weird to think the way that that's starting to pan out? But I remember thinking, speaking with, regarding and remembering uh, remembering some of the uh, folks that were part of that little church. And at the time, some of them were of a, they were of a very advanced age. Uh, they were, several of them were in their late 70s and even, even in their early 80s. And many of them have gone on to be with the Lord. And they have been for quite a while now, to be honest with you. But I was thinking about folks that would have been 80 years old in the 1980s. If you would have been in your 70s and 80s in the 1980s, this just, this just recently hit me that I honestly had, being the history buff that I am, would have probably had the coolest opportunity, you don't think of this when you're six and seven, but I would have had the coolest opportunity to sit and have conversations with these certain individuals. 
They probably remember a day reading in the newspaper and hearing on the radio about a baseball sensation by the name of Babe Ruth. They could have very well remembered the year 1927 where he hit 60 home runs. Did you realize that when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record, this is how legendary Babe Ruth was, Hank Aaron had like hundreds more at-bats than what Babe Ruth ever did, but yet they credited him for a long time as being the highest career-hitting home run baseball player. I was thinking to myself that this generation probably could have very well remembered and seen and experienced as a country both world wars. Could have very well seen and maybe somewhat remembered both world wars. The Great Depression. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. All these huge moments in the history of this country and something that they could have done is authenticate some things that were legendary speaking of Babe Ruth he's got that famous time I forget what field it is they said he pointed out in the area where he was going to hit the home run remember that it was like left field and said he pointed well that was legend because I believe he was pointing at the wall but wasn't pointing to the specific field so there is a lack of authentication do you realize today that we are in a day and age in this world in this country where they are claiming a lack of authentication in the word of God they're claiming a lack of authentication in the word of God and sadly it's not just in the worldly folks but there are literal organizations that are ordaining men and women alike that will declare out of their mouths the lack of authentication of the word of God and they will claim it is nothing mere but history and a, a list of good stories and and a list of good tellings it's it's fables it's tall tales it's it's nothing but an unauthenticated legend it's a big story but in this season where we're raising legends the holy spirit spoke to me the purpose we have in the legends is that we have been called as the church to be the authenticators of the legend. We have been called to be the authenticators of the legend. Therefore, we carry the mantle of the Holy Spirit so that we have signs and wonders to follow us. Oh, can I have another amen this morning? Amen. You, you, you're carrying a mantle this morning. You're carrying the mantle of an authenticator. You're carrying the mantle of someone who could very well be the revelation of the truth of Jesus Christ in the life of a non-believer. There is nothing that will change the mind of an unbeliever or a doubter or one that tries to, you know, doubt Scripture and the validity of it. Do you want to know why they're doubting the validity of Scripture? Because there's a truth in the Word of God they want to deny on morality. Yes, there is moral decay. Yes, there is a 
pit that the world is falling in called sin and bondage and abomination but I'm glad to tell you today there's a power of the Holy Ghost that's going to ignite lead and direct and it's going to show a lost and dying word there is authentication in the word of God it's through his power that we give the revelation of the authenticity of God's word. I don't want to grow up and just let people think Jesus is a fable and just let them think that he was a good man. He was another preacher. He was another good leader. I want them to know that he was the one and the only begotten son of God and he is and he is to come and he's the Messiah. He is the one sent by God born of a virgin and I want them to know something else. He's coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back. He's coming back. There will be a drive that is going to overtake the powers of darkness. And I tell you what that drive is. It's the power of the Holy Ghost to show the word. We serve an authentic Jesus. And we declare an authentic word. And we live in an authentic power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Would you take about 30 seconds and worship him and just praise him and give him a hand clap and a shout. I sense him this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've been called to carry the mantle of an authenticator. Hallelujah. I tell you, it reminds me of the story written by C.S. Lewis many years ago. How little Lucy Pevensey had gone into the wardrobe of the spare room, had discovered the magical, legendary land known as Narnia. Her brothers and sisters looked at her and thought she was just a little girl telling stories. Her brothers and sisters looked at her and thought maybe something was off with her. They thought she had maybe been affected by the world's events and the fact that they were away from their family. But that little girl, I love that story, held on to the fact that she knew she had been to the legendary land. She knew there was a realness. Can I exhort to you for just a second? Hold on to the story of your salvation. Hold on to the testimony and the declaration of your salvation. I'm really feeling this this morning. Hold on to the fact that you knew Jesus saved you. You know Jesus delivered you. You know Jesus healed you. You know he provided for you. Hold on to the fact and the change and the difference that he's made in your life. Have I got anybody in the house to say, I'm an authenticator of who Jesus is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Woo, I feel this this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you go with me very quickly to the gospel of Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 14 through 18. This is Mark's account of the Great Commission. It reads and it says this. Later he appeared to the eleven 
This is the disciples, the eleven. We all know that Judas had already died. He appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I want to tell you something. There was a transition that took place when Jesus had given the Great Commission. Jesus had given the Great Commission. And Mark's account of this Great Commission gave a promise that if you will deliver the word, I'm going to put substance behind what you say. That if you will walk in obedience and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you will declare what you've seen and what you have witnessed, I'm going to put substance behind what you say. I'm going to put power behind what you say. I'm going to do something that is going to take the need for you to reveal out of your hands and it's going to throw it over and put it in mine. The day of philosophical evangelism is over. The day of non-power evangelism is dead. The day of trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ without a substance and power behind it is over. Generations have been able to, you know, share the love of Jesus Christ, but there is no substance or power behind it. The day of formality evangelism is over. Honey, there's a need for a power behind what we say. There's a need for a substance in the sermon. Let me tell you something. The preacher is going to fail if we live by the preacher. But if we live by the Spirit, Jesus gave a promise that signs and wonders are going to follow you. Let me tell you something about signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. Uh, is sometimes we get it 
disconfigured a little bit to where we think we've got to chase the signs and wonders and look for the signs and wonders when God is saying I didn't give you signs and wonders for you to go look for I gave you signs and wonders to accelerate you if we go looking for signs and wonders, we're not going to find them. Pray the prayer in your prayer closet. Let the signs and wonders follow me. I don't want to chase anything or fall in behind anything that's supposed to accelerate me. Honey, I'm no farmer, but I know without a shadow of doubt, uh, if I put the horse behind the cart, that cart ain't going anywhere. But when I put the horse uh, in front of the cart uh, and I begin to declare uh, that the signs and wonders are behind me and I'm pulling them, uh, oh my God, the lives that are going to change when they see what is behind me. Oh, hallelujah. It's like when Peter would, would walk and people would be healed within his shadow. Mm, my goodness. The substance behind the sermon, the accelerated change that takes place when the church of Jesus Christ says, I'm going to authenticate the legend of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You ever have sermons, things that just, I mean, you can't help but read them and you get all lit up and fired up. Oh, my God. I'm breaking the preaching rules this morning. Amen. Pastor told me, he said, you got to, when I started preaching, you got to have a roller coaster. You got to build up, build up, build up. You have your high moments and come back down. I'm kind of, it's like my roller coaster kind of looks like this today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Woo, Glory. Amen. But there's an acceleration given to us called signs and wonders. And what happens is the lost soul cannot help but to give observation to the signs and wonders. But the objective of the saint, the prerogative of the saint is not the signs and wonders. It's the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when we declare that we walk in the power of the Holy Ghost and live in the reason for the power of the Holy Ghost, that is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, you mark my word that when you preach in the Holy Ghost and witness in the Holy Ghost, the signs and the wonders are going to follow you. Oh, can I say this for just a second? Can I say this? I know sometimes when you start talking about demons being cast out, we get a little nervous. We get a little nervous and we start thinking, oh my goodness, can we quit putting the face on casting out devils as thinking the only way demons leave is if people fling on the floor and froth at the mouth? I want to give you some reassurance this morning. Sometimes the devil wants to use scare tactics to make us think that we're not worthy to touch him but let me remind you there was one who saved you who is above those demons and when you declare his name those demons tremble and these demonic forces I'm not going to be afraid to declare demons will be cast out in the name of Jesus Christ 
tremble at that matchless name. Hallelujah. Signs and wonders will follow. Signs and wonders will follow. Signs and wonders will follow. I'm telling you something. Things are liable to get controversial. Things are liable to get in the eyes of the world a little bit controversial. But let me give you some reassurance that at the same time the controversy is going on, there's going to be people who are going to make the declaration that I was once bound in sin. I had oppression and addiction on my life but this individual told me about Jesus Christ it's liable to get controversial up in here it's like people liable to say things about us say stuff like we got throw up buckets in the house and all that you you know what I'm talking about I've been asked before if we really have snakes in this house I've been I said honey if we have snakes I'm getting out of here but you know what that is it's nothing but a cover up of the devil trying to cover up the move of God. It's moments like that where we can rejoice and praise God for the fact that manifested deliverance is taking place. Healing is taking place. Salvation is taking place. Somebody rejoice with me for just a second. I'm about to jump out of my skin in the house. The Holy Ghost is manifesting truth today. There are authenticators of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You put that. It is by my power and it is by my might that souls will be saved and set free. Don't look upon yourself and declare yourself to be unqualified, to declare yourself to be weak, but it is not by your might nor by your power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord, that will bring deliverance to the captive. Can you give him a shout of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Mm. But the signs and the wonders will accelerate. They will push and they will drive. Let's not run after. I said the challenge has been laid out not to run after the things that were meant to accelerate. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, my friends, to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. He said, transitional seasons, new perspectives bring about new tactics and new territories that conquer enemies that have tried to grab and put a chokehold on for generations. Pastor made the illustration that they say the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over again and trying to get a different result. We've tried to get 
a different result over something we have tried to do over and over and over again in the same way and in the same formality. Bishop T.D. Jakes had that saying several years ago where he said, new levels, new devils. Well, I want to tell you something today, saints of God. New territories mean new opportunities. New territories mean new opportunities. I shared this a couple Wednesday nights ago, the last time I had preached on a Wednesday night. I said, I am no longer going to put the move and the operations of the Holy Spirit in a box. I am no longer going to look at anybody and say because you do not have a background in being spirit-filled, our church would probably not be your quote-unquote cup of tea. Because if there's anything the Holy Spirit is really good at, it's bridging gaps. And no longer am I going to live in a Pentecostal culture that says, you're not Pentecostal, therefore you will not be able to connect with my church. Let me tell you, tongues is a sign that will bring unbelief into belief. And when the movement of the Holy Ghost is done in true authentication and not in our Pentecostal culture, the unbeliever's heart will be touched. And the unbeliever's heart will be moved. Are we not the church that says that the book of Acts is still very much alive? Are we not the church that declares and says the power of the Holy Ghost did not die off in the generation of the early church and the apostles? We're the church that makes the declaration the power of the Holy Ghost is real. It is true. There's going to be moments when we operate authentically in the Holy Ghost that people who would never have thought would have darkened a Pentecostal church door will begin to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see people who don't have the quote-unquote Pentecostal culture about them. I'm ready to see the Holy Ghost do a work inside of them. Oh, do I have anybody in the house that say, I believe that that gap can be bridged. Oh, I'm not putting a Pentecostal box on anything anymore. I'm declaring the Holy Ghost is going to move and his movement is going to open the eyes of the unbeliever. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Moments that are going to... I don't want to cut into anybody's church culture in Gallia County. I want to cut into the fact that three quarters of this county is unchurched. I'm a little more of a blunt person than what Pastor Ron is. I'm going to say it point blank. I'm sick of drugs. I'm sick of being called the armpit of Ohio. It's going to take a revelation that 
the Holy Spirit's moving, his eye opening to the unbeliever. Oh, I stand in front of you today, a man who's not a scholarly man. I'm just anointed by the Holy Ghost. I believe there are giftings that have been sat on in these pews for many years that need to be unleashed. There are callings that need to be unleashed in this house. And you look at me and say, Micah Bynum, I don't come from the background you come from. My pastor dad isn't just a phone call away. I don't come from the culture that you come from. I'm not necessarily a man who stands in front of people. Oh, but isn't it wonderful to know that he has clothed us and endued us with a power from on high to be his witnesses. And it is that power that looks at a natural, uneducated, unqualified man and says, now I can use you to overcome the powers of darkness and wickedness. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm ready to see the captive set free. I'm ready to see the oppressed delivered and the possessed delivered. I'm ready to see the bondage get broken. And you know how it happens. It happens with a group of people that say no matter what, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to declare the goodness of Jesus Christ. The, the words that flow out of my mouth are going to be Holy Ghost anointed, God appointed, fire driven, and the signs and the wonders are going to follow. Follow me. Hallelujah. But in Joshua chapter 1, in Joshua chapter 1, we see a passing of the torch take place. And it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the, cho the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. 
Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Glory. In Joshua chapter 1, there's a commissioning taking place. There's a passing of the torch happening. There's a passing of the torch that is happening. If you look back over the leadership of Moses, there was a mark in the leadership of Moses. And most of the miraculous divine happenings of the leadership of Moses involved something that was, I guess you would say, the sign of Moses' leadership. It was the rod of Moses. And every time throughout the leadership of Moses, you ever notice that, that the miraculous happenings, there was involvement of the rod of Moses. And the children of Israel would look upon the rod of Moses in the great happenings and in the great divine miracles and interventions. But after many years of studying this passage of Scripture, something hit me about the declaration of Joshua taking over as leader. Joshua was never handed the rod of Moses. He wasn't commissioned with the rod of Moses. You know, you're, you're supposed to do that kind of torch passing kind of thing. Story has it that when Joel Osteen first became pastor of Lakewood Church, he would put his father's shoes on before he preached. As a, as a signifying of, you know, the fact that he is still leading in the influence of, of his father. Moses is mentioned in this commissioning of Joshua, but the greatest mark of Moses' leadership, Joshua was never commissioned with it. The mark of Moses' leadership. In the happening of Moses no longer being leader and Joshua becoming leader is a representation of once was and what is yet to come. The rod of Moses was something that the children of Israel could look upon. And they knew when the rod of Moses was involved in something, 
in days past, they could almost lean and trust upon the rod of Moses. I look at the history of the church and if there's something my generation has a tendency to say was that they yearn for the times that they could behold the great Holy Ghost movements of the days before. The great tent revivals, the healing crusades the great men of days before, the experience, wanting to go and, and, and experience such moves as the Azusa Street Revival and the great tent revivals that men like R.W. Shambach rose up out of. We have a tendency to yearn for things that we can look upon and behold. But when he commissions Joshua... He does not include the thing that the people can behold. But he commissions Joshua with the law, which represents the word of God. Saints of God, I believe we're in a day and age where the Lord is taking us away from the season of the things we can behold and look upon and saying, church, before you see anything happen, I want you to declare. I want you to speak out loud the things that are going to happen and the truth that is going to come about. I don't want you to yearn for once because scripture clearly stated that Moses was dead. His leadership and his time and his season was over. I believe we're in a time where God doesn't want to commission us with things we can go see and experience with our eyes. But he's moving us into a season of faith where we declare his good works and his power and his authority in a time where it seems impossible and genuine moves of the Holy Ghost seem minute. I believe now more than ever before we've been commissioned to declare the truth of the word of God. And let me tell you, when we declare that truth, we're going to see things happen. Hallelujah. I don't want to witness anything. I want to be the one that brings it about. I don't just want to be one that sees things and beholds things, but one that declares the impossible possible. Hallelujah. 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 And now here we are. Here we are. In this season where things are shifting and transitioning. And they're changing right in front of our eyes. Their confusion. Let me tell you one more thing about the Joshua generation and the transition. Is that the first miraculous happening under Joshua's leadership was the crossing of Jordan. It wasn't the first time the children of Israel had experienced something miraculous when it comes down to a body of water. But in the first account, there was a rod stretched over, and the waters were parted. 
But in the new accounts, the feet of the Levites actually got wet. <laughs> oh, I believe we're stepping into a season that it looks a little it, it, it looks kind of, it's uncharted because what's going to happen is our feet are going to get wet. But when our feet get wet, we're going to see the miracles. Stepping into the uncharted areas and the uncharted waters. Going into the places we've never gone before. In new season and in new times. He's not just going to set stuff up for us to look at. He's going to set stuff up for us to be the culprit of the Holy Ghost and the authenticators of the story and legend of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet with me today, saints of God? Would you stand with me? Hmm. Hallelujah. 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 Well, my God, this was a good Memorial Day service. Amen? <laughs> it's the, uh, sometimes pastors, shame on us, we'll, we'll just say, well, this will just be one for the books, and we'll, whoever shows up will show up. I say that lovingly and affectionately. Please take time and get away and enjoy your family. Please do. We have beheld for so long. And we have, we have seen great moves of God for so long. And then we pine over and almost look as though we, we want to see something that once was happen again. But God's, God's calling us to the uncharted territories. He's calling us to get our feet wet. He's calling us to get our feet wet. Wherever you trod has been given to you. His favor goes before you. His promise. See, Joshua didn't have the rod of Moses, but he had the promise. He was commissioned with the promise. He was commissioned with the promise to be courageous. Mm, my goodness. What, what, what a moment. What, what a prophetic word for the church of 2021 to be courageous. Oh my goodness. To be courageous. To be courageous. Not to be dismayed. Not to be fearful. Not to worry. You remember the first time you were a little kid and you jumped into a swimming pool? I was not a brave kid. Not, I was, I, I don't know if it's appropriate to say this in the pulpit, but I was a wussy. I was a wuss. I was not a brave kid. Oh my gosh, my sister was brave. Narissa, I think it had something to do with the fact I was always taller and bigger. And when you get flung around like on big rides and stuff, it just, it's no fun. I think that's what it, you know, I felt so big and tall and, you know. Buddy Narissa had no fear. 
no anxiety. One time we, we was in the city pool and my mom heard a little voice. It was Narissa on the high dive at the city pool where we lived in Cincinnati. Little, little, little seven or eight-year-old Narissa getting ready to jump off that, and she did it too. That little blonde-headed thing jumped off that high dive without fear, without anxiety. Was the one who fell and scraped her knee trying to ride a bike, and then she got right back up on it. Oh, thank God for the fact that I don't have to live in fear and anxiety. Amen, Kelly? You've had to get your feet wet, haven't you? In belief that he's going to stop what stands in our way. Hallelujah! Oh! You want to know something else? When we carry his presence, his glory will begin to shine through us and affect our surroundings. I'm ready for spiritual moments. I'm ready for things to happen around me. I'm ready to be that one that changes an atmosphere that is dwelling in his presence so his glory can work through me. Mm. I don't know about you, but I want to lay hands on the sick and they recover. I want to lay hands on the oppressed and they be set free. I want to preach the truth to the lost and they be found and they be saved. Oh, I don't know how to end this. Would you just make that your prayer right now? Would you just lift up your hand and make that your prayer? Oh, somebody.